Hello there and welcome to the Shots and Tanier Football Outsiders live stream. Yes, the Football Outsiders live stream and podcast for April 28th, 2023. We know we've been absent for a while, but today is the triumphant return along with our guest, Benjamin Robinson of Grinding the Mocks. We are here to talk about the first round of the NFL draft last night. I hope everybody enjoyed the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> I had the sound down. I didn't watch. I, I, I mean, I, I wasn't watching the ABC broadcast, but I'm sure they were a lot of fun. Oh, they weren't on NFL Network? They weren't on NFL Network I or ESPN. I think I was watching ESPN. I don't know. Which is your broadcast of choice? NFL Network. What about you, Benjamin? Uh, ESPN with the sound off, except when the picks are happening. No. <laughs> Although you find out about the picks first from Twitter before they happen on the broadcast. So as much as they try to make it so people don't tip, everybody tips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at that way. Let's talk about some of the biggest surprises from round one, uh, and then we'll talk about sort of our winners and losers and the best players still available. So I think the, the 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 biggest shocker was Houston's trade up with Arizona to pick both second and third. So obviously, you know, analytics are not a big fan of trade ups unless they're for quarterbacks, and especially Houston gave up a lot. I mean, they gave up pick thirty three, and they gave up a first rounder next year, which means essentially they they kind of gave up three first round picks to move up ten spots <laughs> um, or nine spots. But on yeah. the other hand, Will Anderson is really really good. Yeah. So I'm curious what you guys think about the trade and how you reacted when uh, it got announced. Will Anderson is really really good, but if you look at the talent that was hanging around. Like all of the cornerbacks, all of the cornerbacks were on the board at that point, or just about all. At of twelve, them. you mean when they were originally at twelve, picking. where they would have gone. Um, uh, so you know that kind of talent. All of the receivers, literally all the receivers, were still there. Okay, so there were a lot of permutations of them sitting still, having the thirty-third pick, having a first pick last, next year, and getting instead of a fifteen sack edge rusher, which is obviously something of value, getting a shut down cornerback getting a 75 80 catch receiver i don't necessarily think they got value there I, i'm still happy though that they didn't do some of the things that we'd heard about before the- i mean it was very good that they took stroud second right we all agree they needed a quarterback if there are top quarterbacks available you want to take quarterback quarterback value is that important and they needed one the idea that they were going to not take a quarterback made no sense that's why that's why we thought that's why we thought it might happen because their drafts have made no sense. No, so true. yeah, I mean, it was a really steep price. I mean, you kind of like if you took Stroud first or or Stroud second or um, Anderson third, and you can kind of flip it back and forth. They basically paid for the right to have two of the top players in the draft. So to me, I'm excited for them because I think this is finally like a sign of that they're investing to compete. So um, like you know, the coaches of the past weren't really even really given a shot with some of these rosters and. Yeah. You know, I think this is a chance. This is a sign of of life from the Texans. Um, so <laughs> yeah, me, it's me, I'm, I'm supportive of it. I mean, but a positive sign. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. You know, analytically speaking, you know, the edge rusher stuff you're talking about, the the surplus value you can get on those contracts from the edge rusher mm-hmm. and from uh, quarterback are both massive. So to me, yeah, like it, I think it's a steep price. The Cardinals kind of did some weird stuff with that draft capital after that. 
trading back up. But um, when it, when we kind of put on the 2020 hindsight, the player that I thought would be available in terms of the edge rushers at, at 12 was a player like Nolan Smith. And yeah. it turns out that maybe it has something to do with the injuries, maybe it has something to do with his size or whatnot. But he lasted way, way, way later into the draft. I thought he would be a top half of the draft kind of player. And it turns out that the NFL didn't really value him that way. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think good for Houston. Like I said, it's a sign of com- competition that they're really willing to kind of put their foot forward and receiver can come later. There was there was a point, like, I guess on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, where it sounded like they were going to take Tyree Wilson second and then trade down. And I was like, blast this entire organization to Pluto, if that's what they're at at this point. Oh, we're, we're just going to mess around for another year here and, and, like, listen to the rhythm. So this is very different from that. This is more encouraging. They, 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 they could have gone after Levis too. I mean, it turns out that, you know, maybe they could, they could have gotten Levis with that, that pick in the second round. Will Levis yeah. becomes like, Will, like, uh, I don't know, dungarees or whatever, but like, you know, the, the, the deal with Levis being there, there was, there was a lot of juice that, you know, Hey, in the 49ers scheme, Will Levis might be a real valuable person to have. Um, but yeah, I think that turned out there was a lot of noise. The mock drafts might've been more accurate a week out of the draft than they were this past week. Yeah. I, I will say I made one bet now that sports betting is legal in Massachusetts and I can actually bet. I made one bet on the draft this year. Oh, no. I bet CJ Stroud would be the second pick. Oh, nice. nice. When oh, it was yes. plus 350. <laughs> that was the one bet that I made. That's good, though. That's good. That was good value there. I was just yeah. like, it makes the idea that they're not going to take him was so weird to me. I was like, at plus 350, the idea that they're going to do the right thing, I got to go with it. I felt the same way about Bryce Young bets when the news came out that C.J. Stroud was preferred by Carolina. It just didn't make as much sense to me, given that there wasn't any real new information. And so, yeah, like I felt the same way about that. It was like, well, if I was the gambling person, I would consider that at that point because the implied odds are just way too high on Stroud. But yeah. Mike Kurtz pointing out Lucas Van Ness bit his lower lip like a boy band cover shoot. Lucas Van Ness would have been available with the 12th pick. Speaking of edge rushers, right? Yeah. Right. I think there's a decline there in overall like projection and just about everywhere you go there. Right. The pro- obviously, Will Anderson is the highest projected of any of the edge rushers. But right. at cost. Yeah. At you, cost? you lost the ability yeah. to get. I like Van Ness players. a lot. Arizona may end up with two of the top five picks next year. Yeah, I thought Van Ness would have reminded, you know, uh, you know, a big defensive end from the Big yes. Ten would have been like a kind of J.J. Watt comparison that I thought would have been would have resonated. But, you know, hey, we'll see. He's he's staying in the Midwest with Green Bay. I think the Green Bay, you know, wound up pretty well with the net of the Rogers trade and yeah. this. And, uh, you know, the Jets ended up without one of the offensive tackles that they really wanted. Don't forget, by the way, if you're watching us live right now, we will take your questions over Twitch and YouTube. So please feel free to make comments and ask questions. Let's talk about Will Levis falling out of the first round. Because there's been some talk about, like, was Will Levis entirely a media creation? Or were were teams really serious about him? And I mean, I know Benjamin, your research has shown that the mock drafts that the media does are usually usually pretty dead on with what teams are thinking. Yeah, the one position that the mock drafts tend to overvalue quite a bit is quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, heck, I mean, even the market overvalued quarterbacks this year. So um, the quarterback that I thought was, you know, one of the my narratives about the draft was that I thought there would be four quarterbacks in the first round. 
I thought that Hendon Hooker would be kind of a false flag and that he would not show up in the first round for some for reasons related to, you know, the injury, his age, offense, stuff like that. But I thought, well, Levis had a really good chance. I thought that if any of the quarterbacks was going to fall, that it was likely to be Anthony Richardson. But it turns out that, uh, you know, the narrative that, the, that you know, Shane Steichen brings the offense from Philadelphia to Indianapolis, and he wants that same type of athlete at quarterback who can really be dynamic. Um, yeah, I think that Anthony Richardson was probably one of the bigger fallers coming into the draft along with Stroud. And so the, the, in, w- in one case, the position was overmocked on the thoughts of, of Richardson and Stroud going earlier than we thought. And then on the other hand, you know, we're getting Levis and Hooker probably both winding up in the early second round. If you look at the history of Levis's, you know, candidacy, you know, it starts really at the end of the college football season where, you know, the Kuiper McShay people are saying teams have him number one overall. So you kind of have one very concentrated group of insiders who kind of plant this flag here, you know, so maybe they, I mean, they certainly heard this from somebody. I've, I've heard some wacky things from general managers and coaches over the years. Maybe this was a leftover 2021 take because Levis looked more like he was projecting towards being a top pick uh, last year. And then that was like a sticky take. But, you know, when I wrote the 100, when other people were first really like diving into the tape, we were stuck with this guy up in the top three, four, five. So you write your skepticism, you write your doubt, you write your concern. You might say, well, I think he's a second rounder. I think he's a third rounder, whatever. But that's a sticky tape right there that when it's time to mock, and when it's time to, you know, try and really prognosticate, I'm stuck with saying, look, I don't know who these guys heard. If these guys heard this from a McNair, from Casario, from uh, from Chris Ballard, that's how it's going to be. And you can't, you know, you, when you're doing a mock and you want the mock to be like as accurate as possible, you have to be like, screw this, this guy's going to the fourth round because that's what I think. And you're trapped with this, like, legacy, uh, uh, you know, hearsay type of uh, projection for so um, we we have uh, odds on the team to draft Levis. So I, I don't think we have a graphic for it, but I will point out, Mike pulled these up. Uh, Rams at plus 350, they pick 36. Titans at plus 350, they pick 41st. Raiders pick 38th at plus 800. Then Buccaneers and Commanders at plus 1,400, not because they pick at the top of the second round, but because they desperately need quarterback. Plus the Seahawks, the Lions, and then even the Vikings who don't even have a second round pick. There's a lot of reports this morning about people trying to get into Pittsburgh's pick Yeah, at number 32. Uh, you know, usually would be number 33, but it was 32 this year because of Miami having their pick taken away in the first round. Um, there's a lot of talk about teams desperate to get, but after everything we went through with Levis yesterday and the falling, and it turns out that he's not as well regarded by the teams as we thought that he was. I, I feel a little weird about the rumors that everybody's trying to get up to 32 to draft him, right? Like, like I, I could totally see the, the Rams or the Titans taking him, like the Titans taking him at 41, but I don't know if they're really trying to move up to 32 for him. In yeah, shades of last year, you know, when uh, we all thought, oh, yeah, Malik Willis has to go early yeah. in, the, yeah. in the first round. It turns out that, you know, yeah, if he was that good and rated that highly, that someone probably would have gone up for him at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the people were looking at the Vikings in their spot in the first round. They just have so few picks, this this draft. Yeah, They 
I think, yeah, they, they'd be really lucky if somehow Levis fell out of the second round. I don't, I don't really foresee that happening. Yeah. I think the Rams seems like a really good spot. Um, yeah, they, they're kind of still, they're not totally in the, they're not in the rebuild mode. They still have Stafford, right. but the, the guys behind them are kind of few and far between and developing someone. There's the nobody be behind good. him right now. Their depth right. chart literally does not have a backup quarterback. Yeah. But yeah, to me, uh, commanders and Buccaneers seems like they're, they're willing to play the waiting game for yeah. Caleb Williams or Drake may for next year, maybe, but yeah, it seems like they're kind of more set, you know, I think behind Sam Howell, you have Jacoby Brissett. Um, so, but yeah, to me, yeah, I think it, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that, you know, Hooker and Levis might fall out of the second round because, because there just seems like no one, no real interest. Uh, Mike Kurtz says a second round pick is worth the gamble on Hooker or Levis. I mean, I agree because of the importance of quarterback, like a second round pick. It's absolutely would be a good idea for a team that might need a quarterback in the future to take Hooker or Levis, even though we're not high on Levis and Hooker is 38 years old. <laughs> I would 25, take 25. I would take Hooker before Levis. Um, and you, so we talk about the Vikings. Levis is so Kellen Mond like to me. Like in the in the broad sense, I mean his his game was different, but that so much of this projection is well, you know, it was the SEC, and even though the statistics and results weren't good, you have to account for the fact that he was on an also ran. I don't think the Vikings want to go down that road again. I don't think that that's what they're interested in. Levis was so much better regarded than Mon. I have to push back on that. I mean, yeah, the consensus boards had Levis as like a top fifteen player. I don't think Mon was in the top fifty of yeah. many boards, but yeah, still point point taken that like you know there's a lot of questions around Levis's you know, production, you know, why didn't he come out last year when, you know, he, he probably would have been the top quarterback taken last year if he came out when he did potentially. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough, uh, tough, tough situation for Levis, but I hope he ends up, ends up in a situation where he gets an opportunity. Uh, Michael Walsh says the Seahawks took D uh, Damon Witherspoon at number five when all the mocks said Jalen Carter. I'm fine with the pick, but why do you think that they took Witherspoon? Pete Carroll gets a pass on his choices of cornerbacks. You know, Pete Carroll takes a cornerback. Like I had Witherspoon, I believe, second to Gonzalez, or maybe third, but like it was all tight. Yeah, I think Pete, Carroll, second. Pete, Pete Carroll's got the taste. He's he's a Somalia. He's the connoisseur there, so he takes that. You, you know, I don't know all the deep dive details on what people think of Jalen Carter. I honestly think it's a combination of concerns about his just general character and the fact that at his pro day, you don't want to come into your pro day suddenly overweight, out of shape, et cetera, when you have something to prove there. But um, I think Spoon is a good pick there. And again, that what what Carroll wants at that position, you know, he should get. You got it. Yeah. yeah, the way that I look at it is I think you're right about the character. I think the pro day stuff is kind of secondary. But yeah, the, the overall character, the Seahawks came out and said last year that they – kind of had a renewed emphasis on character. They said it was like a big part of why they think their draft last year was as successful as it was. Mm -hmm. Who knows about that? But last year they were definitely closer to consensus around where they were drafting these players. Um, and so, you know, even getting like really great value on Tariq Woolen, who was, you know, almost, you know, one of the best players this past year. To me, the they invested in the defensive line and free agency. I think that they've always gotten like enough production that they needed out of defensive tackle. So I think the, the kind of the, the character concerns and then the fact that I think they'll be fine in terms of getting by with a line that they have quarterback just makes cornerback makes a lot of sense if they were going defense. And now they have kind of maybe two elite players on the 
on the back end, it's going to be really tough to pass on them. Two young elite players, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, Thordane asks, was the tight end class a little overhyped? I'm, yeah. I'm going to answer this first. I don't think so. Okay. I think most mocks had Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid going in the late first and the other one going in the early second. And yeah. it's probably going to be that one of them goes in the late first and the other one goes in the early second. So I don't think it's that far. I mean, yeah, there were some mocks that had both of them in the first round, but it didn't have like a top. T- Nobody thought a tight end was going in the top 10 or anything like that. Yeah, the 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 I think the kind of hot thing to do was to find three uh, tight ends. I think that if you looked at like maybe where the um, the odds makers had those bets, it was usually at like you know two and a half, probably yeah. over under. Um, so you know, I thought that Mayer was going to go before Kincaid, and that Mayer was going to go you know maybe more around where the Chargers were picking. That's why I had him in my my last mock draft for FO. Um, but yeah, I thought that there was a chance that at the end of the first round that you know one of those tight ends would kind of slip in there because of how deep the class is. But you're right that. Tight ends are pretty deep class, and the there should be a bunch more that go tonight. Um, maybe even as many as like five or six that go tonight. Um, so I think the tight end class is. You're right. It's not over. It's not necessarily. I think over hyped, but I think people thought that there would be more than just one. So if that's, only that's, that's, one that's tight end goes tonight, if like only only mayor and that's it, then no, the tight end no. class was over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about last but night. I, I think, think last night there would be two. I don't think that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think tonight there'll be like four or five. There were there were buzz around unusual guys in the last week or so. Sam Laporta got a lot of buzz, who I think of as a late day two guy. Um, uh, earlier on, Musgrave got a lot of buzz, where it's like I look at the film and it's like I don't see the film there. I see a very tall guy, et cetera, et cetera. So there's I think there's a little bit of that. Maybe not in the mocks, maybe not on the list. But when you started like reading people like their daily updates or you know five fits for this team. Uh, Tight ends were always in the mix. I'm also going to say the Cowboys, Cowboys fans were ginned up for a tight end. And when Cowboys fans are ginned up for something, that causes a little, uh, you know, attention, uh, you know, signal amplifier that makes it sound like, oh, there's a lot of great tight ends and the Cowboys need one. Who's Jerry going to take? And you might be getting a little of that. Yeah, although then the Cowboys had the chance to take Mayer and didn't do it. Yeah, I think the the, the draft net community really – misunderstands the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had this thesis coming into, and it showed up in my final mock draft that I, I mocked you know, Kansas state defensive back, Julius Brents, for the Cowboys. Yeah. And my logic was, well, it's kind of out of left field, but for the last in the grinding of the mocks era, since 2020, each year, the Cowboys have drafted the player that was the fifth at the fifth most mock position in grinding the mocks data. And so, you know, it was like, well, this year cornerback, and those are kind of the guys that were there. That was kind of my logic, just kind of hanging on to hopefully something that could be a streak. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I mean, I think that the people really misunderestimate the Cowboys. I think, I think that they 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 wanted to they ended up going with the player at the fourth most mock position instead of the fifth this year in defensive tackle. So it made a lot of sense. Mozzie Smith is really athletic. The production was a little underwhelming, but I think his best football is ahead of him. Yeah. Um, speaking of surprises, let's talk about one more big surprise. I think the pick that made people go, what the hell? More than any other pick was Jameer Gibbs to the Detroit Lions at 12. Mm-hmm. And what the Lions did last night, it's very fat. I would love to sit down and talk to one of their analytics people because on one hand, they traded down. That's positive. 
On the other hand, they showed no understanding at all of either positional value or the idea that you can wait to take that 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 usually player usually players will go around where they're generally mocked by the public and so you probably could have waited and gotten Jack Campbell for example in the second round now i will say there's a lot of talk on twitter this morning mm-hmm. that the jets were going to take Jameer Gibbs 15 which by the way would have been in Insane. <laughs> well, we know who they already have Brees yeah. Hall. We we know who would have made that pick at that point. That would have been the Aaron Rodgers wish list pick if that yeah. was the case. Mm-hmm. And what happens always on Twitter is somebody comes up because you're you're defending the Lions right now. Someone's protecting Brad Holmes. Someone's protecting Campbell. That process. Like, oh, there was a team right in the wind back there who was going to take this guy. And that and mm-hmm. and so you get stories. Like that. Mike Kurtz says, "Was was the was the Lions taking Gibbs a bigger surprise than the Falcons taking Bijan Robinson?" Hell, yeah. yes. Yeah, there was a lot of talk that yes, some team might take Bijan Robinson in the top ten, despite what all the analytics people say about running backs. Uh-huh. There was no talk that some team was going to take Jameer Gibbs in the top twelve. Like I don't remember anybody talking about Jameer Gibbs as a possible top half of the first round guy. Right. And when they, t- that was just, wow. And then Jack Campbell made more sense because of the idea that he's kind of a like knee breaker player for Dan yeah. Campbell. Yeah. But it's still like, you're talking about a guy they very much could have gotten in the second round. Yes. The Falcons already had a great running back says Mike. They too, yeah. they, uh, they have to, um, they're going to end up giving B. John Robinson so many carries. There's not going to be much left for either Tyler Algier or Corderell Patterson. Yeah, the I was surprised as well by B. John Robinson. I was less surprised uh, sorry by Jameer Gibbs. I was I was not surprised that that B. John Robinson went early. I've been on the top ten B. John train for a while. He ended up finishing maybe around like twelfth in my data. I was a little disappointed there. Um, people not as imaginative that he could really that the league you know, really cared about positional value in the draft. I think they, they really, they don't necessarily do. The Falcons, you know, they, they took Kyle Pitts two years ago at a position that's not very high value in tight end. And so, and then, then proceeded to run an offense that almost totally ignored him and fed the ball to a, a vast stable of running backs. And they're, I'm, I, one day, if, if uh, Terry Fontenot is lucky enough to keep having his job, if not, someone else will inherit a really nice roster and draft a quarterback and suddenly they'll be great. Um, but yeah, Gibbs, Gibbs, I think the, there's news today that the Lions are shopping DeAndre Swift um, to teams. So it seems like it's a very expensive replacement for DeAndre Swift, who they never drafted in the first place. Um, they said that they're looking for someone. So they, they, they brought in David Montgomery this offseason in free agency as kind of like their bruiser back. But you know, the thing about Jameer Gibbs is that his superpower is that he's a catch, you know, pass catching running back. Um, so uh, yeah, he's not a great pass protector. They have to take him off the field on the third downs. He doesn't score. He isn't really. They took him out on Alabama did when they got to the goal line. Like he's a really great running back between the the red zone and your own twenty yard line. Like it's it's a it's really funky. What would Austin Eckler have cost in a trade? A fourth rounder, a fifth rounder, exactly. Right, and 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 honestly, I don't know if Eckler makes that much more money than you give the number twelve pick in the draft. That's the thing. Running backs who go that high. I saw something about Bijan Robinson's going to become the number four running back in the league as far as guaranteed money. 
Yeah, we're at a point now where Miles Sanders, what did he sign? Two years and 12 million, something like that. You're getting a 1,200 yard back for like this like five, six million dollar year with a little bit of incentives. It's reached the point now where that's actually a good signing. Where that's a good signing. Uh, you know, it's better to maybe to take a second or third round pick. But yeah, I don't understand this. I definitely don't understand when they showed the reaction shot in the Lions front office and they were high fiving and slamming on the table and things like that. Like they just scored the coup of the century. Who did they? I guess maybe the Jets. But- the Jets. I, apparently they thought the Jets were going to take him at 15. And so they, they thought they had to do this. Then they should have traded down too. <laughs> Bill Houston says, to. what is the wisdom in picking running backs in the first round in this day and age in the NFL? That nobody knows what the wisdom of that is. That's the problem. I mean, here, here's the wisdom of it. If you take one late in the round. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The guaranteed money is not as much as what Bijan will get at six, at yeah. eight. Sorry, eight. And you get the fifth year option, which given that you're probably only going to keep a running back for one contract means you get one more year of their prime. That's the argument for taking running backs at the end of the first round. And you're a 12 win, 13, 14 win team or legitimately say this marginal value, like the Eagles, for example, this marginal value is possibly the over the top thing. The Bengals or the Bills could say that for the Falcons. It's the marginal value between, oh, it's a seven and 10 season. We got nine and eight. We're going to win the NFC uh, NFC South. <laughs> it's funny that you think that a running back is worth two wins, Mike. But yeah, no, like. I didn't say, was, well, yeah, well, I mean. I'm joking. I'm joking. But yeah, no, like this, the thing that makes it even more funny is that they, where have all the really good running backs for the most part have been in the NFL been taken over the last, you know, I'll say like five, Five, 10 years in the second round yeah, right like, <laughs> it's been a huge sweet spot for running backs that basically are, you know teams that are willing to wait you can get really good production in the second round and a lot of these first round running backs have been mostly failures outside of maybe Saquon um and Zeke, McCaffrey Zeke, Zeke to a certain yeah. extent and McCaffrey um but yeah they all have had kind of their ups ups and downs over their career beyond the ones that were taken very very high so but part of that is that yeah like when you take a guy that high you're going to feature them in the offense so now you're my question for the Falcons is, you know, uh, well, number one, who's going to be the quarterback? Or two, like, you know, what was the point of of drafting some elite pass catchers if you're not going to throw the ball to them? Because you're going to need number, a dedicated number one. Desmond Ritter is going to yeah. be the quarterback, and number two, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I, I feel I feel I feel better about my 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 logic that now than I did before. Um. All right, we each picked a winner and a loser from the first round, so let's go through and talk about those. Not necessarily teams, by the way. Uh, let's start with first-round winners, and we'll start with Mike's first-round winner. Fly, Eagles, fly on the road to victory. Bye. G-E-O-R-G-I-A, Eagles. Bulldogs. <laughs> I, was, I, I was at the grand opening yesterday. Of the 1,000th Wawa on Earth. I attended this. They, so we kicked off draft day here in beautiful 856 area code with the 1,000th Wawa on the planet. Soon there will be 10,000. And then we add two Georgia Bulldogs. We have plenty of hoagies to feed them here. Jalen Carter. Again, we can talk about the character, the questions about work habits, et cetera, et cetera. He should stay off of Front Street. I'm just going to say that right now. Then you come back and you get Nolan Smith. And you're like, well, why did Nolan Smith drop? Nolan Smith's tape uh his, his overall production does not look outstanding and much the same way Trayvon Walker's did not look particularly outstanding because it's hard on Georgia because you know a lot of times the, you know the play is blown up by the time you get there but 
you combine these guys, you put them in a locker room in which you have people like Fletcher Cox to help keep somebody in line, Brandon Graham to help train somebody up here. And it's just an unbelievable combination of value and talent for the Philadelphia Eagles. A team is already in the Super Bowl with two first round picks. I think I think you're also forgetting um, the the real I think reason behind this probably has something to do with Jordan Davis. Yeah. Um, reports are that you know Jordan Davis was a real mentor to Jalen Carter, and yeah. you know this past year him not being there, you know who am I? I don't know, I'm not sure what to, to do with that, but I think having some of that support system yes. and from from Georgia, um, you know, and like the the vets that you said, like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, um, yeah. he's coming into a great situation. And right. this was a this was definitely a coup on both sides of the equation um, for Howie Roseman. You know, I'm interested to see what they do to upgrade the offense a little bit. I think that offensive line is an area of, of focus for them um, on the second day of the draft. But you you can't be too upset. And if you're Sean Desai, you got to be really happy. Get Darnell Washington too. Well, that'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, ben, what's your first round winner? I had the, uh, I didn't pick a player. If I picked a player, I probably would have picked Anthony Richardson. But if I picked a team, I'm picking, um, I'm doing this based on my own numbers, based on the the player that kind of was the most, uh, biggest steal in my data. And that is Tyree Wilson, um, mm-hmm. the Texas Tech edge rusher who went to the Las Vegas Raiders at seven. I thought there was a really good chance that he went in the top five, maybe mm-hmm. even the top two. I had him as the number two player. There was in a my lot of talk draft. of him as a possible number two, yeah. I view this sort of similarly to um, the Carolina Panthers last year and Ikem Ikwonu, the offensive tackle from North Carolina State that they, that they drafted. Mm. Everyone thought this guy is like a top three, maybe top somewhere in the top five players, and they get them at, you know, like pick seven or something. Yeah. Just really good value, really good football player. This guy is going to be massive. Chandler Jones is kind of probably nearing the end of the run um, in his career. Addresser is a position that is a premium position. So, um, yeah, I really like uh, Tyree Wilson. I think it's a great landing spot for him. Um, I foresee him and you know Max Crosby. I mean, who you're going to block? Those are two really, really strong edge rushers for for that uh, Vegas team that that really needs it out there. It was hard to pick a winner when it comes to suits, but Tyree Wilson may have been the winner as far as suits. Yeah. <laughs> He's ready for Vegas. Oh yeah. Oh gosh, Zay Flowers though. Did you Zay see the? Flowers did, was pretty, did, did you was see pretty... on? Um, on ESPN, they had these like pre-taped things from the combine with some of the players, and some of the outfits were just so funny. Mozzie Smith's one—you got to look it up. He basically was shirtless. It was kind of—it was. <laughs> I remember who had the pink suit with the purple shirt and a blue pocket square. But you've got to match your pocket square with your shirt or your tie. I thought Gonzalez looked tie, great too. You need I like to Christian, match Christian your Gonzalez square with your shirt. Um, I'm going to pick two teams as winners that basically got the player they wanted and moved down and got extra draft capital anyway. First, the Cardinals. Because the Cardinals picked up all that stuff from the Texans Mm -hmm. and then traded a little bit of it to get back to number six. But they wanted an offensive tackle. They got an offensive tackle. Like, they moved down three spots. They picked up a whole other first-rounder next year that's probably going to be like a top-five pick, maybe a top-ten pick. And they got the guy, Paris Johnson, that they wanted anyway. And the other team is the Patriots. Yeah. The Patriots screwed the Jets. Like stealing. They screwed (laughs) the Jets out of the offensive tackle that they wanted by trading their pick to Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. 
moved down three spots. I was I tweeted out, I was like, oh, the Patriots get their pick between Christian Gonzalez and Jackson Smith Nujigba. So of course they'll trade down. And they did. And three picks later, they'd picked up an extra fourth, and they still had their pick between Christian Gonzalez and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And they took Christian Gonzalez, who absolutely fills a need for them. So they got a guy they wanted while picking up an extra fourth and screwing over the Jets. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, I I think Gonzalez has a really good chance to be defensive rookie of the year. Um, Yeah, I mean, the Patriots defense is going to be still going to be stout. He's going to be a, probably the, the top cornerback there. Um, I think there's there's a lot closer of a difference in talent between him and um, you know Devin Witherspoon, who went you know at pick five, mm-hmm. uh, despite what the draft position really says. You know Gonzalez was not the number two corner, um, but he's athletic, he's big, uh, productive. Yeah, I, I think he. I think there's good things for him. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. I have odds here for yeah. defensive rookie of the year. But uh, first, let's pick our first round losers. Uh, and Mike, you go first with your first round loser. Okay, well, taking aside some of the things with people we've already talked about, I like to call them the big Grabowski cornerbacks. And we're talking about not just Joey Porter Jr., I think most of us had a first round grade on, but also some guys who were sometimes in the first round, sometimes second, sometimes third, depending on who you talk to, what you looked at. Cam Smith out of South Carolina and Kaylee Ringo out of Georgia. All these guys look like, oh, it's the next Richard Sherman. And yeah, when you watch the tape, you see evidence of that. Like these guys could be that good. They're all six foot two. They're all physical. They all hold constantly. Okay. And I think one of the big issues with all these guys is if you look at the pass interference penalties, I believe it was Ringo had six and Smith had five. That might be flip-flop. Porter had fewer holding penalties, but when you watch the film, he just basically jams at the line and then just keeps on jamming down the field. I mean, he's somebody who's hand-checking constantly. And so we have three guys who I thought, I honestly thought all three of them could have gone in the first round, especially earlier on. I think that, like, they, they trickled down as – you can speak to that, Benjamin. They trickled down as the weeks went on. But these guys were all sliding into day two, even though I think they had potential first-round talent. Yeah, the I, – I love that bit, the the holding Grabowski's. It's my <laughs> Will Dungarees joke built at home. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, you're right. They Ringo specifically fell throughout the process. Yeah. Um, you know, I Joey Porter Jr., I had him in the first round pretty solidly. I think a lot of people had him as a, a match to a number of teams who want to do kind of this you know man coverage. I mean, the league clearly yeah. had him in the first round because they don't yeah. invite you into the green room unless they think you're going in the first round. Right. Yeah. I thought there was a chance the Bengals would take him, and then I thought, yeah, I don't think the Bengals want a porter in the in the building given his history <laughs> with them. But um, but yeah, but I think the Steelers are. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they stayed that they took one of these guys um, yeah. at the top of the second round. But yeah, Joey Porter. The other thing, the ball production. The, they they really value the ball production. I mean, you look at Emmanuel Forbes, not the biggest guy. Yeah. was a late riser in my data and wound up going a, a bit higher than I than we thought. I think it had a lot to do with his ball production. That's something Porter just didn't have. Yeah, like you're saying, he really just was a press corner up against the line. Not a lot of evidence of production. Doesn't mean that it's not there. Mm-hmm. but it just didn't show in college. And so, yeah, I think he'll still go in the second round, though. Yeah. It would be fun if he went to the Steelers with the next pick. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Keep it in the family. That would be fun. It would be fun, right? They would love that. Yeah. Uh, ben, who's your loser of the draft? So, yeah, I mean, you're going to take the clear loser in the <laughs> second. But um, when it just looks at my data and I and I took out kind of uh, the, the Lions, because uh, I think that they're definitely the loser. 
but I, um, I know, I know. <laughs> and then the the next highest player in terms of this, you know, reach in terms of this draft capital over expected was Anthony Richardson. I don't think that's a reach. I think it's fine. Similar to how I viewed Trey Lance uh, a couple years ago, where it's justifiable because it's a quarterback. And I settled on with my third choice, basically the New York Jets. So the New York Jets, you know, wind up uh, out of the tackle market, which went, you know, fast and furious at the top of the draft because of this Aaron Rodgers trade. Um, and I know that they really, really wanted Broderick Jones. That would have been the pick and it would have been a fine pick. Instead, they find themselves kind of in between a rock and a hard place. And I really liked Will McDonald. I thought he would be a first round pick very solidly, but I didn't think he was going to be a top you know, 15 player. He was more along the lines of, let me see my numbers, like probably in the like early second round. Yeah. He had yeah. like a late first round expected draft position. I thought he'd be like the sixth edge rusher. And instead he goes, you know, earlier than expected. You know, I think that it's, I'm not surprised that they liked him. I kind of was watching the draft with my friend and no one's going to believe this, but I, I call, I, I called that pick. I'm like, I think it's Will McDonald. Nice. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit in some ways, similarly of kind of Jermaine Johnson last year. I Toolsy. think the Jets were probably yeah. trying to trade down though, because you notice they yeah. took all their time. Once the offensive tackles were gone, I think they were sort of like stuck. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, hey, yeah, for sure. That's definitely a possibility. Will McDonald kind of reminds me, like I said, of, of Jermaine Johnson from last year. Older, but like got a lot of tools. And you could do worse than having an edge rusher at that spot. But still, that's like the, the biggest reach outside of the Lions who are obvious and outside of, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson of the Colts. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I stole from Ben by by saying that I wanted to make my that's okay. the Lions. They that's just, okay. They're, you, they're, you, they're, they're the obvious one, right? Like, go off King. <laughs> Like they could have taken, I mean, maybe the Jets would have taken Jameer Gibbs, but that would have just saved the Lions from themselves. Like, <laughs> we're going to There's so many good running backs. There's so many good running backs still available. Like, why would you take one twelfth overall? Like, <clears throat> here's the deal. The way you have to think of it is, what? Who's likely better, Christian Gonzalez and a fifth round running back? Mm-hmm. Or Jameer Gibbs in a fifth round corner. Mm-hmm. Unless that fifth round corner is Tariq Woolen. <laughs> the answer is Gonzalez and the fifth round running back, like Tyler Algier or something. Yeah. Yep. You could have done gone so many other directions and you that's the way you went. Thordane points out, by the way, that the Jets have Bryce Huff and Carl Lawson in contract years. So they are gonna definitely need edge rushers coming in a year or two. You can always use an edge rusher. You, always yeah, use an edge you can rusher. all. You can all. Honestly, you can always use an edge rusher. It's actually kind of a good like. Oh, if the Jets got stuck and they wanted an offensive tackle, and then they had ten minutes to figure out what to do with themselves, and they spent nine of it trying to trade down, and then they were like, "Oh my God, we have to pick something." You can do a lot worse than just highest edge rusher on your board. Yeah. And they grab a guy who's a projection. He's very toolsy. But like when you watch this film, it's like, I can't believe this guy had his hand in the dirt, head up on the right tackle. Iowa State is a very unique, very unique defensive scheme that Iowa State employs. (laughs) I think that, yeah, yeah, that's something to think about. That's actually one of the cool things about this. This is the first Iowa State first round player since probably like 1970 or 1950. It's been a long time. Yeah. So big, big coup for for Iowa State. Um, But yeah, I thought that. McDonald was, you know, definitely like a, a kind of second half of the first round kind of type of guy instead of a early or late, late first round, early second. Um, I, I mocked him at 20 to the Seahawks. I kind of felt like he was a Seahawk guy. 
Yes, um, me too. Because um, who was it years ago? Um, Bruce Irvin. Yeah. Played the same scheme where he was stuck. I think it was West Virginia. And he's head up on the right tackle. He's 240 pounds, maybe. And you can see the tools, but it's like he's getting eaten. He's getting eaten on snap after snap. And it's like, well, yeah, a good coordinator will get more out of him. But that was a, considered a reach at the time. He turned out to have a good career. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Mike was good enough to pick some odds. So here are the current odds for offensive rookie of the year. Bijan Robinson, 300. Bryce Young, 475. Jackson Smith, Najigba, 650. CJ Stroud, 700. Jameer Gibbs, 850. Anthony Richardson, 1200. Hendon Hooker, 2000. And Will Levis, 2500. My first feeling is it's not Jackson Smith, Najigba. Yeah, I agree. I feel like all of the wide receivers that were taken in the first round, with one exception, have to share with too many other guys. They're all going to be third wideouts, except the guy Minnesota took, whose name Jordan uh, Addison, Addison, former University of Pittsburgh Panther. He's going to be the two for Minnesota. I think he has the best odds of winning Offensive Rookie of the Year of any of the wide receivers. He should at least have the best odds. I, I don't hate from a betting standpoint, Jameer Gibbs being put in there, catching a bazillion passes, playing behind that offensive line, getting all these opportunities, getting lots of bulk stats and getting the offensive rookie of the year for a team that, you know, wins 11 games or something like that, yeah. because, you know, especially so, if Swift's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, Taiji uh, Spears is still out there at plus 3000. Now we don't know where he's landing, but you know, there's still the take whatever running back you think gets into a good system that you liked. Those are still out there. I only went with guys who, who are off the board. As a, Pitt, uh, I mean, I, as, as a Pitt alum, I fully endorse the, the Jordan Addison. He ended up at USC, but he's always going to be a yes. University of Pittsburgh guy in my heart. So I, I, I love that narrative, Aaron. <laughs> he, uh, he just catches passes. He's small. There are other guys who are more impressively speedy. He just catches passes. Kirk will love him. Yeah. Defensive rookie of the year. Will Anderson is the clear, clear favorite at plus 350. Tyree Wilson and Jalen Carter at each plus 800. Devin Witherspoon plus 900. Christian Gonzalez plus 1,000. Lucas Van Ness, 1,200. Emmanuel Forbes, 1,400. And Nolan Smith, 1,600. The first one that stands out to me is Jalen Carter plus 800 makes no sense. He's not even going to start. Right. Right. You'll have two and a half sacks. Yeah. But Nolan Smith in that environment could wind up having, you know, a 14-sack season. I mean, if there's an award in 2024 for defensive sophomore of the year, (laughs) Jalen Carter should have excellent odds once Fletcher Cox has retired. But that's not an award as far as That's why I like Christian Gonzalez. Um, Clear path path to play on a defense that's probably going to be pretty good as it usually is. Talented player. Um, I also like, you know, Tyree Wilson. I think, you know, you're right. Like he, it depends what happens with Chancellor Jones. I think I, I like, I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm overrating Tyree Wilson's talent, but, uh, but I, I like him. I like him. I think Will Anderson, who's the other, who's on the other side of Will Anderson going to be at for Houston? I don't know. Hughes. Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes. The 45 years old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, I almost like right now I look at it and say, well, I'll either Homer pick it with Nolan Smith or just take Will Anderson at that point. You still got a Titans team that's going to be unsettled with the offensive line, so you'll get some stacks opportunities there. 
you know, so you look at the division, there might be some opportunities there. So I don't know. I probably right now just say Homer it plus 1600. I don't I probably would just do Will Anderson in the 350. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind Emmanuel Forbes either. Um, no. Like I said, he hasn't, if, if you're thinking that similar to like your Gibbs argument, Mike, about volume stats, like they're going to look for like sacks. They're going to look for picks. Yeah. And Forbes is a ball hawk. So yeah, to me, yeah, it, it depends. You know, it depends. All right. Let's talk about the best available players for day two for the second and third round. I don't think we have a graphic for Ben's best available, but let's start with Ben's best available and then we'll do the best available from the FO 100. Yeah. The guys that um, are kind of the, the leftover vestiges of the grinding the mocks top 31 are people we've mentioned like Will Levis, Joey Porter Jr. The one that really caught my eye out of those because I, I had Joey Porter Jr. falling outside of the first round in my final Football Outsiders mock draft. The guy that I thought was going to be solidly in the first round outside of Will Levis um, was Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. He's mm-hmm. probably the guy that I think of as top available outside of Levis because Joey Porter, Ryan Branch, Hennon Hooker, Osiris Torres, John Michael Schmitz, Jalen Hyatt, those were all guys I thought were solidly second round. So to me, the guys that I'm really surprised by are Michael Mayer and then also Keon White, who's kind of another of the pass rushers I thought would have a good shot of going. Instead, I think the Saints kind of went with, you know, Brian Brzee from Clemson and the Bengals ended up with Miles Murphy, which I think was a solid pick too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought there'd be a few more edge rushers and a few more tight ends. So there's, I think, yeah, for me, Mayer and Keon White are two of the names that stood out the most. Love Mayer. Love Keon White. He's an older prospect. Again, I'm interested to see where he goes because he's somebody whose tape looks phenomenal. And then you hear the league and they don't seem that particularly excited by them. So you know, Brian have, Branch, yeah. Yeah. If you look at the FO 100, I mean, I had Drew Sanders so much higher than just about everybody else. I absolutely love him. I don't know where he's going to go at this point. I'm guessing teams actually have Trenton Simpson at linebacker ahead of him. That's fine. I think either of these guys are good. We might see a couple of linebackers early in day two. I think we're going to see centers and guards. You mentioned Osiris Torres. You, you mentioned yeah, this is usually when centers and guards go. So yeah, yeah that's the top centers and guards usually start going in the second round. So yeah, yeah and, and there's and there's a bunch of teams that just kind of need it right now, like picking early on in the, in the draft. Like I think the Cardinals are up there. They need one. They're still there even though with all the trades and all. So I think you're going to see some of that. Um, DeJuan Jones. I really, I kind of thought I was going to hear his name. Uh, he, he was, when you watch the film, he's really great. When you watch him in the senior bowl, he didn't play participate much, but he was great. And we just look at the sheer size. This is, this is planet theory type of guy. So, you know, I think Joey Porter will go very early. You're right. The Steelers make sense. I think DeJuan Jones is going to go very early in the second round. Yeah. You also had on the top FO 100 best available. You like, you like Keely Ringo a lot more than Mox do. I, I did, and you know, if I was um, more diligent with updates, I, I, he probably would have slid when I learned a little bit more about him along the way. I would have had him below Joey Porter, certainly. I am higher than the sun on Darnell Washington. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna live there because I think, uh, you know, I, and, and we can talk about how you know low the production is, how unusual a guy his height is to succeed in the NFL. I've never seen anybody like this, and when I've never seen anybody like this, I I, I want to see what they do. At the NFL level. So weird with him because Brock Bowers next year, you got to watch out. He's going to be talked about as a top 10 pick next year. Maybe I was thinking, you know, could he go higher than Kyle Pitts, but then it's almost impossible to. So, right. Um, But it's possible. I mean, Pitts was seven. Hey, do you want, 
real quick, I don't want to interrupt. You want odds on the 2024 first overall pick? Oh, it's um, I mean, it's it's uh, Caleb Williams and the quarterback from North Carolina have to be the top two, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, so here it is, Caleb Williams minus five fifty, which is just don't don't take this a year out. Drake May plus six hundred, Marvin Harrison Jr. plus two thousand. He won't be the first overall pick. He might be the best player. Yeah. Uh, Ole uh, Mayoma Fashanu, I apologize, plus 2,500. Then it gets interesting down there. Kool-Aid McKinstry as at plus 300. Kool-Aid McKinstry out of Alabama. What about Michael Penix? He's in there. Hold on. Let me find him. Plus 5,000. I would definitely think of putting money on Penix at plus 5,000 and on May at plus 650. Because as great as Caleb Williams is, People do, I mean, people do shuffle their thinking about quarterbacks and especially the having, I feel like Williams is, Williams's odds are too short and May's odds are too long. You got, by the way, Bo Nix plus 8,000. You've got Jared Versa plus 3,500. You've got Egbuka, the other Ohio State wide receiver, if I'm not having a brain cramp, yeah. plus 8,000. And Jeremiah Trotter Jr. at plus 10,000. I'm going to go leap into a grave now. I'm that old. Oh boy. Marvin Harrison Jr. is if there was no positional value, he would be yeah. number one. The trick, the trick area, um, uh, Mike on Fashano is just to call him Olu. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not ready yet. I don't have all the tricks of the trade down. So he 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 was a, a he, I think if he had stayed in this draft, he would have been the first offensive tackle taken for sure. Imagine if the five. Arizona Cardinals are in position. I mean, I don't know if they would take another quarterback given that they give all this money to Kyler Murray. But imagine if they're in position with the two picks to take the top quarterback and Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> My heart. <laughs> That's who Houston might have traded away. Houston might have traded away Marvin Harrison Jr. I know Will Anderson is good, but is the difference between Will Anderson and Lucas Van Ness Marvin Harrison Jr. Good. Everyone, everyone in the this in this draft world talks about how important it is to have the conviction. That's like the most important thing. They always bring it up. You have to have conviction. And I'm always like, you need to. What about uncertainty? <laughs> I mean, right. And right. so, to me, I think Aaron, you're bringing up a really good point. Like, is the difference between potentially what could be a really high pick next year and Lucas Van Ness, which I, who I think is a, could be a great player. Um, yeah, I think that that's pretty much sums it up. But uh, I will say that, um, Mike, there is someone out there who likes Drew Sanders more than you. It's, his name is Lance Zerline. Um, he really loved yeah. Drew Sanders. Um, so you're not that, alone on the Drew Sanders fan club. That makes me feel good. Derek Klassen, when I spoke to him, yeah. was really high so There are people out there. I, when I did some I did some interviews for New York Times and, and some other people were like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, 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 I'm sure. But he's going he's gonna to be a heck of a player. I think he'll be a good day two pick. At this point, it has to be now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. One other thing I just want to bring up the best available players, according to our fantasy 40. Okay. I just want to bring up that you, I know running backs are more valuable for fantasy. So for a fantasy list, you're going to have running backs higher, but I just want to point out the best available players on the fantasy 40, Tajay Spears, yeah. Zach Charbonnet, yeah. then Jalen Hyatt wide receiver from Tennessee. Then Kenny McIntosh, Chase Brown, Devin Shane, and Dwayne McBride. Yeah. Like, it just demonstrates how ridiculous taking running backs super high is. 
when there are so many good running backs in the middle rounds and all those free agents that were around this year. Like, there's just so much good running back talent. Right. Somebody was telling me, it's like, why didn't some team just take Miles Sanders and Jamal Williams at a combined total of whatever it would have been, like $11 million a year and had like like the ultimate two-back committee all set squared away? And the list you said there, this doesn't include some of my binky guys like Evan Hall, who I love. It doesn't uh, include uh, 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 the kid from Minnesota, Ibrahim. Muhammad yep. Ibrahim, yep. yeah. I mean, who ran for six trillion yards in college when he was healthy and is like a workhouse. The, the kid from Pittsburgh, uh, uh, who is unbelievably fast. There is so much variety of talent out there. Just call him Izzy. Izzy Abanacanda, Israel. Yeah, I'm, I'm pro Israel. Israel. Yeah, I'm pro Israel. Israel. University of okay. Pittsburgh guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Blazing, blazing. So there you go, Pittsburgh guy. Yeah. Blazing speed. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, part two. Is, there, there was no other Rutgers kid. I must have missed him if it was. I know there was a Rutgers kicker. Bill Houston says, of players picked, so of the guys who actually went in the first round, who were you most surprised slid down the draft board? I probably would say Christian Gonzalez. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Sounds- Nolan Smith for me, yeah. I can see Nolan Smith, too. I'll go with Gonzalez because, like, I think I made a, 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 a bet that he'd be, like, top five. I had a bet that he'd be first cornerback drafted. Um, I never heard a person say a bad word about him all through this process, and he just looked amazing on film. So I'm stunned that he just slid, slid past Forbes. And Forbes has the ball talent, absolutely. But my grocery bags weigh more than Emmanuel Forbes, you know? So it's, like, unusual that they didn't look at this guy and say, from that trait standpoint, we got to go day two. And I will point out as a Patriots fan that his college number is available. What? He was number zero. <sighs> Hey, there you so go. No, no Patriots player has claimed number zero yet. Belichick will like demand that no one have number zero. Well, no, what you start. Well, first of all, Belichick, the way he starts is when practice starts on the first day of practice, the uh, draft picks all get numbers in the 50s in the order they were drafted. <laughs> and then it's right before the season starts. So he'll start out as 51. But my cool. guess is that I don't think Belichick. Part of me thinks you're right, and Belichick won't let anybody be number zero. But part of me thinks that's what he wore in college. That's what they'll give him. In the They're saving number zero for when Matt Patricia returns. <laughs> <laughs> but he's my problem right now. So, we'll, uh, yeah. He's back where he belongs, on defense. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, in Philly. Oh, gosh. All right. I want to thank Benjamin Robinson for joining us today, for everything that he's done, for all of grinding the mocks, for all the grinding the mocks content he did for Football Outsiders over the last few weeks. Thanks so much, dude. Really appreciate it. No problem, guys. Thank you to everyone who's watched and listened our post-draft show. Uh, This is where I normally tell you when we're coming back with the next show. I have no idea when we're coming back. We're really into the off-season now. But at some point, there will be another show, folks. So watch Football Outsiders for more news about that. And uh, thank you all for watching and listening. Mike, Ben, everybody enjoy the rest of the draft. So long, everybody. Bye.